Welcome to Hope in the Heartland, a podcast from Zeal Coaching, where we talk to you, our neighbors, about ways to take your life from ordinary to extraordinary. We'll also take some time along the way to celebrate people who are living those dream lives right here in the Midwest. So join us as we help you ignite your life with passion, purpose, love, and success to ignite your life with Zeal. with Hope in the Heartland. We want to welcome you back for another great episode. I'm super amped up today, Katie. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm super amped up because we are in the middle of our confidence courses this month and next month for the summer, our summer confidence courses. And we just had a great session last night. We had seven people and they're just been doing really working hard and digging in and figuring out what the gremlins are saying to themselves, what are, what are their voices, you know, what are the self-talk that they're talking about. So it's been a really great thing. That's fine. That was actually one of the first things that I worked with you on was a confidence course. And it's still one of my favorite things to talk to people about. Yeah. It's a little bit about the languaging, even verbally what you say out loud, but also like what you're saying in your head. So it's been really fun and then also how you when events happen how you make meaning out of them so just in the sense of like someone looks at you and you're like oh they looked at me horrible and I'm you know I'm a horrible person because they must not like me and we go down this crazy spiral and that like just chips away at our confidence like nothing else and so really to think about like stopping those crazy thoughts and telling ourselves those kind of stories that aren't really real so we're going to talk more about that a little bit later, but it's but to think about how great this group is doing and how much they're getting out of it has been really great. Good. Yeah. So today we're talking a lot about beliefs. So this is one of the core concepts to um, the confidence class, but we're talking about um, the whole thing is what do you believe, what rules do you have you come to believe in your head and this is part of our social self, so like all that we've learned from society, which blocks off sometimes our natural instincts to right. know what we want and need because someone or we believe someone has told us the opposite of what we want or to be or can do or whatever. And so we start to believe them. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. And I think you talk about that in your book, um, <laughs> The Ordinary Girl's Guide to Extraordinary. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know, so if you <laughs> right. want to learn more about that, yeah, yeah. you should check out Chris's book. So when we talk about beliefs, we're not talk, We're not here to uh, proselytize anyone. We're not knocking on doors in white shirts and ties with our briefcases. Right. We are not trying to convert you <laughs> to any beliefs at all. Beliefs are really the rules or the stories that you tell yourself that you've come to believe. So they become the measurement that you use about whether you're a good or a bad person or if you're right or wrong or if you're smart or not smart or whatever, but they're, they're, the beliefs are the measurements that we've created in our head. So if I believe that you know, good Irish Catholic girls should go to college and then I don't go to college and I choose to be a hairdresser, then I have failed myself. So if I have that belief, which isn't necessarily true it can be kind of a phantom belief right and when i believe when i listen to that or measure myself against that 
it can be good or it can be bad based on if that moves you closer to who you really want to be and the life you really want. So beliefs are just thoughts in our head. Yeah, and some of them serve as well. Yes. Like the belief that if I run around by myself at night when it's dark in a place I don't know, that something bad could happen to me that actually helps me and keeps me safe. So it's a good belief. Right, right. <laughs> yes. But I would argue with you because <laughs> if we're out in the woods, it, the darkness is not going to hurt you. <laughs> the darkness itself is not. I get that. Right, right. But we'll uh, we'll have that debate later. <laughs> or some of my beliefs about birds. Yes. I know that you think are ridiculous, but yeah, I don't trust birds. They're, sh- they're shady. <laughs> birds are shady. Yes, okay. they're always congregating together, whispering, gathering in groups. They or go- they're singing and bringing life to the world. So we can have yeah. different beliefs about all kinds of things, right? So, right. right, good. So these are examples. So perfect. So um, that is the theme of today is thinking about what your beliefs are and if they support you going in the direction that you really want to go or if they kind of break you down and take you in the opposite direction. So for our success for the week, since we're talking about belief, all of that comes from you having this classroom experience with your confidence class, Christy. Right. And so what what today our success is really about the power of the people. Um, what happens when you get a group of people in the same room that are working and supporting and caring about each other and how that can change the dynamics of the growth and your willingness to take risk and try things and um, yes. and how much that can change your life. Having the power of a group of really strong relationships and supportive people around you. Have you ever had some oh my goodness. places that that works? Always. Um, and because of like both Christy and I having the same Myers-Briggs personality type, we love people. Yes. People <laughs> make us happy and energize us. And so I teach... Um, at a community college, and this summer I'm teaching an online course. It's, painful. <laughs> it's so painful. It's all online only, and I can't, I can only reach out to my students through email or text message or phone call, maybe, what they usually don't, don't answer. You don't up a picture of their smiling face and pretend you're talking to them? <laughs> I don't. I did put a picture of my smiling face. I actually put a picture of me wearing a fake mustache on my professor profile to try and get them to know the, nice. the real me. <laughs> the real me. The real me. But they do peer fee- peer reviews with each other online by posting responses and stuff to stuff they've written. Um, but most of them are writing things that are very clearly guarded mm. or they've talked about insecurities. When they peer- they give feedback to other people, they're really reserved. Like, oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I think, I think you're doing a great job meeting the assignments. Like, no one's really being real yeah whereas when I do the same thing in a face-to-face class um I've had people crying with other people when they're sharing stories and they will share like real things well you create trust with them like you work really hard to gain trust and rapport and I think that's so much harder when you're not in the same room together and I know it can happen but it is super challenging that when you're online and I think that we were talking about earlier, like how important it was to have real experiences together instead of just being online and how 
you know, debilitating that is for some people because there's comfort there, yes. but not truth or vulnerability or authenticity there. Right. So they can protect themselves online. And I think that we see, I'm seeing in my class, a rising generation of introverts, of people that are would rather hide behind digital technology, but then I kind of force them <laughs> right. to interact with each other and I invite them in by being open and vulnerable myself they overwhelmingly come back and say, I've had several into the semester, like, surveys. People come back and say, I thought I was going to hate peer review the most. Yeah. But since you made me do it, and I'm so glad I did, because I learned so much. I feel like I learned so much about my classmates. I learned that people, you know, experienced some of the same things I did that felt the same way. You know, I felt like I could raise my hand and ask questions because I knew them, that we could support one another. And I think that that's something you could only get through face-to-face kind of interaction. And I'm not saying you can't develop, right. you know, most of the people online. Um, my husband and I do, like, a board gaming podcast, and we have, like, an actually an online kind of community. Yeah. And, you know, there are people that we talk to and know, but we actually, um, last week, went to a board game convention. They exist. Yes. The nerd, <laughs> all the nerds were there. Everyone's number. That's right. Um, we had a, a guy from our group we had never previously met before, but only knew him on through the online community, drove from Maryland yeah. to meet us. Oh, nice. And we had dinner with him and played games with him. And I feel like, despite the fact that we, you know, would message back and forth about games and, and joke and stuff online, it was different now that I have met him. Oh, yeah. And right. he, us. Because you see their body language. You see yes. authenticity. You oh can feel them. and. It's funny because we want to build rapport, like, even through this podcast, right? But but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, until we actually are with you or in presence with you, I think it there are some things that get lost in the technology piece that don't get translated. Right. right. And, yeah. and that's even for introverts, too. Because yeah. I know there are plenty of people that say, I don't like people. My husband is one of them. Mm-hmm. He will not call the Chinese food place to order. He will go pick it up because he just hands <laughs> over his card. Right. But he will order pizza because it's online. He doesn't talk to anybody. But he's There's, great. He, right? he still with... wants people around. Like, yeah. he likes the experience of having friends together, mm-hmm. that there's something different about that than what you can do online. And so, yes, while there might be some anxiety leading up to it, the experience of, the experience of what, when, like, souls and kindred spirits meet. Yes. Yeah. There's something, you know, magical and supernatural in that that just is so important to having that support and to growing and change that you can't get digitally. Yeah. So the power of the people. Power of the people. It's our success of the week. So continuing on our theme of belief, we want to talk about in our zeal living tip that you have a choice in what you believe, which seems almost silly because I think oftentimes we hold beliefs so close that we don't think that there's a choice. Can you explain that a little bit more, Christy? Yeah, so I think what's there's two ways. Like One thing is we make choices because of what we believe. Like we stand in it. This is what I believe. We be, I believe that you know we should not pay taxes, right, or whatever, Jimmy, like, or that I believe that girls shouldn't be soccer players. This is an often mm. what I talk about. When I was a girl, we didn't. I would never have thought that girls would play soccer, like kind of like the idea that they play football. Obviously, they play football now sometimes, right. but girls play soccer by the by the thousands. And 
Um, win the we, World Cup. And we win the World Cup. And we win, yeah, and we win the Olympics and those kind of things now. So, right. but it was a belief that we had. And sometimes they're phantom beliefs and they're not really real. And so um, you had a really great example of this. Yeah, so for an embarrassingly long amount of time of my life, <laughs> I was operating under this false belief that I was an intimidating and kind of authoritative type person. Bully? Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe no. that's extreme. Maybe that that's might be a little extreme. Just that just... when people met me, they didn't feel like I was open, that, you know, I was judgy, they couldn't get to know me, that I was hard to get to know um, because I kind of held myself apart and was kind of... How did you come to believe that? Um, so I actually had a, a girl, I, w- I don't want to say a friend because... <laughs> I probably wasn't very nice to her. And I've known her a long time. Growing up, um, we went to like, church camp together and did different stuff. And she was actually really good friends with another another one, one of my friends. And she told me, point blank, like, Katie, you're so intimidating. Like, I was so afraid to talk to you when I first met you. And we ended up going to college together randomly. We're at the same college, which is odd because there's only like 1,200 people there. Um, but she was sitting next to me somewhere, and she said, Katie, you're you're kind of short. And I said, well, yeah, I'm only like five foot four. Like I'm I'm not tall. I've never been tall. She said, well, you've always seemed so much taller to me. Like I was certain you were about five, eight or something. And I said, why would you think that? She said, I don't know. I just feel like your presence is so intimidating that you've always seemed so much taller. And so I had carried that around for years. And I was sitting in, um, like a one-on-one meeting with a boss that I had, and she is just the gentlest, sweet, soft-spoken, lady and I was telling her that well maybe you might want to send someone else to to train the new person because I can be very intimidating to people Ah. and she laughed right in my face and I said what are you laughing about she said Katie you're not at all intimidating she is so welcoming it's so funny (laughs) well and I can see how an insecure person would think that you were intimidating but that's about her and not about you and it's super interesting to think about how you took that on and you put that kind of in your filter of how you made decisions and choices and like that you're not going to volunteer to, you know, to walk a new person around work or something and how that started to impact you. It's a great example of how belief starts to really like soak in and you're making decisions and making choices and taking action based on that belief and kind of how you feel about yourself. So it's interesting. Because I really did... I mean, I really believe that. I really believe that people had trouble warming up to me. And so I was constantly surprised yeah. when people would tell me things about themselves or, or want to hang out with me. Because I was like, but I'm I'm an intimidating person to first meet. Like, yeah. I'm sure that it was difficult for you. And I just couldn't figure out how that kept happening until <laughs> my boss literally laughed in my face. And it just totally... I. It changed my world. Like, I could, I really couldn't believe that. So you could put it down or put it away and not have, like, when the spots kind of said, no, I don't see that in you at all, right? And so it's really interesting. And I think that if you know Katie, you've been, the reason I have worked with her is because she is so welcoming and so warm and can talk to anyone and has, like, really helps relax people. So it's really opposite of but this girl was intimidated by you. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that that is you. So I think this happens often for people. Like right. we get told, oh, you know, you're not as smart as your brother. Mm. Oh, so now you're not smart. 
right? right? Or you've been told that you, you know, you could lose a few pounds. So now we think we're fat, right? right. Or we're heavy. And so it's really interesting to think about what are the beliefs that you take on. And the most important thing is that you have a choice. You can say, hmm, is that me? Do I have proof or not? And right. put it away and not like put it into that decision filter. That is our tip of the week. So now on to our feature segment. I recently was invited to do a talk for a volunteer recognition group for a, an organization in our town called Partners in Hope. And Partners in Hope is a nonprofit that supports people trying to move themselves out of poverty. And Katie and I have been pretty close to this project um, in a way because last year we got to teach our Maximizing Confidence class with a group that is working themselves out of poverty. And they were pretty incredible. It was awesome. And they they worked really hard in that class, and we had a, a lot of fun and success with them. But I been was asked to do this talk, and I was really thinking about, what do I want to talk with them about? What do I want to talk with these volunteers who help either people when they're in crisis or kind of this longer-term piece? And it was funny because I was like, kind of like, well, duh. Like, this is really part of your story. So my parents actually worked themselves out of poverty. And I feel like in our region, it's kind of a big theme. And maybe it's a part of just American culture when people migrate in, you know, but that idea that um, we may not have come here with a lot and we kind of have to figure out our own success. And I feel like it's a little bit of, of the messages we've lost some in our culture but for me, both of my parents, my mom and my stepfather, were orphans. And so to know their level of success and kind of have the experience of how they've worked themselves through that really spoke a lot to me and had me really reflecting on their experience and the experience of working with these partners and hopes folks who some of them have been homeless. Some of them have, you know, are raising children on, on a part-time minimum wage job like you know some of them are raising their own grandchildren right when their children are having drug issues and things like that so there's a lot of significant ways that people can be kind of coming out of this so one of the things that is important is how do we get to helping people transform their lives or how do people kind of own and transform their own lives and know that that's possible and it's been interesting for me to really watch my parents and know and live kind of through their experience. So my mom is the youngest of nine kids, and her mom died when she was one. And her dad had to put her and her other sisters into an orphanage. And she grew up that way, came out of the orphanage. Her father soon after that passed away, and then she was raised by her brothers and sisters. And so... To kind of know how did she come to where she helped me and my brother be very successful. But then for my stepdad, he was also in foster care. He was in foster care, he was abandoned as a baby. And lived like kind of through the foster care system until a family found him. And they theoretically adopted him without like the legal part of that. And so what happened was, is that family, the mother and father that were taking care of him, 
the mother had gotten ill and had to move away, kind of the better weather for her health condition. And he had to return back to some real relatives. And it was a very abusive, like very mistreating kind of situation. And so he lived there for several years. And when the foster family returned back to Indiana, where, where they lived, they wanted him back. But his relatives would not give him back because they wanted the, the resources of the money mm-hmm. that they got from, from you know, the support that they got for him. So what's interesting is he's not jokingly, but now he'll jokingly tell the story about how he called his foster brothers and he said, pick me up at the bus station in the town that they lived in tomorrow. So he got on the bus to go to school, went to high school, got off the bus at the high school, got on the regional bus and went to that small town and his brothers, his foster brothers picked him up and he just never went back. And so it's really interesting for me to think about how did my parents decide that they were going to transform their lives. And I was reflecting on this for this talk and um, we kind of come to this idea of having four beliefs. And that's what I really want to talk about in this segment are the four beliefs that you can choose that really power your ability to transform. So let's talk about the four beliefs that can transform your life, that really kind of fuel it. They're really these invisible powers that we have. And I say that in this way is because beliefs create reality, right? This is where thoughts become right. real. And if you haven't heard that, it's it's really an important concept. Like whatever you believe will happen. Like if you believe you're going to be successful you're going to be successful if you take the actions that you truly believe that for some people if you you like it's like believing somebody you're like being jealous about someone right and creating like you don't trust them so now they don't trust you Mm. so that belief becomes real and so we kind of put out get back what we put out there so it's interesting so the first belief that really powers you is this idea that that you believe that something else is possible. So when you think about if this is if you're wanting to transform your life, you have to believe that at least it's possible. Like you have to have that openness of saying it could actually happen. And so when I think about this in the context of my parents is they just believed or needed to believe that something better would happen because if they did the right things then they would create a different and new life for themselves and what's amazing is that I stand here as you know my brother just received his PhD last month which you know and I have a master's degree and I get to live the life I have and the family and the support that I have because my my parents believe that something else was possible that our lives could get better so my mom is a great example of this right she believed that our lives could be different so she worked four jobs when I was young, sometimes three, but sometimes four. And then she came to work at a credit union and she worked there for 34 years. And she started when there were three people in the basement at Icky Old Wisher Hospital, <laughs> literally next door to the morgue. We joke about this all the time. And when wow. she retired, she was the vice president of marketing and they had over 500 employees. And 
definitely that was back in the day where if you worked hard, you got advanced inside of an organization, right. and that became very possible for her. But that idea of believing something is else is you know something different could happen is the thing that kept her going. And when we retire and she now enjoys her life and travels and does all those things, those were not things that she thought was possible. And as the youngest of nine kids where other brothers and sisters didn't make those choices, her choice of believing something else could happen really has paid off for us. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get so stuck in these cycles that there are steps that we could take that would help us, but we just won't because it's not even a possibility. I remember I was talking with one of my friends and they were talking about some kind of etiquette piece. And I was telling them like, okay, you know, this is how you set the table. And well, if you have, to, if you're serving a soup course and the soup is going to go here and this is where you're going to have your butter knife and all this stuff. And they were saying, well, how did, how do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's not something that's commonly right. used as much anymore. And I said, well, my grandmother taught it to me because her mother taught it to her and her mother also watched me a lot as a child. So my great grandmother, her mom had actually sent her to a woman in Cincinnati to take mm. etiquette lessons. And my grandmother grew up in Hillsborough, Ohio, rural down in the hills in yes. Ohio. She was one of at least nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I ah. think there, well, there might've been 11 because she had twin brothers that died when they were infants. Um, on the farm, you know, she used to tell me stories of how they made their own butter and how to make cottage cheese and right. just salt of the earth people. But her mom wanted to, thought that there was a possibility. What if my daughter were to entertain someone wealthy or she may, could maybe marry someone wealthy or wanted a job somewhere where she needed this kind of etiquette? And so she sent my grandmother to get these etiquette lessons. Yeah. And then my great-grandmother, in turn, taught my grandmother and taught me, her great-granddaughter, so that we could sit at anyone's table and not be embarrassed because there was that possibility that our lives could change from being just common people. Right. You know, in the dirt, dirt in our fingernails, farming people, that we could be somewhere where we would need impeccable manners. Yeah. It's really important to think about, do you have the belief that something better or something different or is possible or that you can, even if you're like a stay-at-home mom or that you could have your own business someday or if you are going to college and it's really like not working, that you could find a different job that would be a better fit. Like something else is possible for you and to believe that you will figure that out. So it's it's a huge belief that we want to kind of emphasize. Right. It is possible. Yes. It's, it's possible. possible. The second belief that I really want to emphasize is the belief in yourself. This fundamental worthiness that is lacking is epidemic in a lot of people. Um, and is missing is, and it's primarily the, the thing that I coach almost the most is the idea that you are worthy of having a good life. You're worthy of education. You're worthy of just feeling good. You're worthy of having healthy and warm and loving relationships. And how often we actually believe that that is not possible. Connecting this to my parents' story is that my mom actually just told me the story where my biological dad and her had gotten married and she was pregnant 
And those were some rocky times, but when it was time for me to, you know, be born or be delivered, he took her to the hospital and he dropped her off. And after she had me, he didn't come and pick her up. She just told me the story. I think she was sheltering me. And as significant as that is, she had to call her brother and he came to get her. And I think about where was she at at that time? How did she feel? Where was her self-worth that we, she and I, got left at the hospital? And how hard of a time that must have been. And how she pulled herself together and she went back to those multiple jobs and she decided that she was going to make a life for herself and for us. And, um, and then later on she, when she married my dad, how, you know, she really, you know, moved our family forward and her belief in herself and maybe not of necessity that she did that, you know, or she felt like it was necessity. And I feel like we have some of this degree of, even if we haven't been through something traumatic like that, how we start to believe that we're not worthy um, because we've been taught to put ourselves last sometimes, especially right. as women. So that fundamental thing of like, no, 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 I'm born, I'm human, I have every right and to be happy and to um, be and as worthy as anyone else is really critical. Right, and it's not like your mom just said, okay, I'm going to work this job so I can feed these kids and that's it. You know, she worked many jobs, she worked hard to make sure that you guys had a bright future. And she also, you know, found someone to love again right. and, and to have like a full life and jobs that she enjoyed and felt fulfilled in, right. not just merely existing. And she thought that it was, she was worth having that kind of a full, um, happy, joyous life, like a fulfilled and successful life is something that not everyone is willing to do. Yeah. That amazing resilience, right? But it has to come from somewhere. Like, you have to really pull that out of yourself sometimes when the others around you may not be doing that for you. Right. That is our second belief. The third really key component to changing your life and transforming your life into something successful and full, um, you sort of alluded to, actually, with the second Yes, you need to have the belief in yourself that you're worth it and that's possible, but it also really helps to have people in your corner that want that for you and that can give that to you. We kind of teased you a little bit with that in our success of the week, that the power of people, the power of having a group of people there to lift you up, to you know cheer you on is so crucial. And not only to lift you up and cheer you on, but also to, you know, smack you in the back of the head and say, no, quit, you know, being down <laughs> yourself, quit right. sabotaging yourself, quit holding on to those beliefs that aren't true. Right. You can do this. Right. What's interesting and what's really true is we learn our value from others. And we want to say, oh, yes, you can hold all the value of yourself. But if you have not had or do not have positive people in your life who love you and who take care of you and are, who are your cheerleaders, it's really hard to feel valued. This is why junior high is so hard. People, yeah. Kids are so hard on each other and we really lose our sense of value when we're being kind of bullied and put down often. So what it is important is that we select people that are going to cheerlead us and not just for the sake of cheerleading, but because they care about us. And and that you have kind of some unconditional, and these can be complete strangers, or they can be your significant other, 
but we often say, you know, choose your spouse super well. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, so many people just like, you know, they fall in love and their hormones are going crazy and they think that this is the one and there's all these red flags and they don't check themselves and say, no, 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 no. Is this the person that I want when I'm 80 and my hair is falling out and, you know, and I'm wrinkly, do you think this person's going to love and care and support you? And in all of those ups and downs that are going to happen in between, right? right? The really hard times and the really good times. So choose your spouse super well, but it doesn't even have to be a spouse. It can be just family or friends or, you know, kind of choosing your own new community. Sometimes we have to divorce the people who got us in a dysfunction or got us in a bad cycle or taught us not to really care about ourselves. Sometimes that's family. Sometimes that's a boyfriend. Sometimes that's a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. We may actually have to choose to, to respect ourselves and love ourselves more and divorce ourselves from that situation. And sometimes I think we, we've talked about this. We have met people that are saying, well, yeah, I have this person in my life and they're just super toxic, but I have to put up with them. They're my family or, right. you know, oh, they're my spouse's family. And every time we're like, no, you don't have to do that. That is a choice that you make to protect yourself, to keep yourself going on this upward trajectory you have for yourself. To go back to my my parents as an example, what's amazing is that they found each other, right? And they, they have enough similar values to having a good time and enjoying life, but also working hard and showing up and they've been able to blend that concept to really kind of move each other forward. They have a really strange, like a group of friends that they feel comfortable with, but when it gets too dysfunctional, they get out. And I've actually had to do that a couple of times myself where I'm like, wow, you know, this is like a challenging relationship and I need to get out because this is just drama. And so they've actually role modeled that for me also. And, but my parents both was, dysfunctional or the or the abuse or some of those type of things you know really have put up the boundaries and said you know here's where when we'll be involved and here's here's when we won't and love people regardless but they they will definitely kind of walk out of a situation that could be damaging to me or my brother or any of us so it's it's a really good example of how you have to get out of it sometimes because you're just getting drugged back in that we're going to wrap up on is the belief that you have a purpose and that maybe spiritually something more is going on than you may um, know. Now, we're not here to profess or make you believe, as we talked about with that disclaimer earlier on in our conversation. It's not about that. We use a model in our coaching sessions called where we talk about the line. And the line is responsibility. So below the line, we're a victim. Things are happening to us because everyone else is responsible and I do not own my responsibility. When you're at the line, I own part of the responsibility. It's happening with me. I have control. I have power. So I have power to make decisions. I have power to make um, take different actions or whatever. And I am in control of my life. But there's also above the line 
And what that is, is that things are happening for me. And so what we really start making sense is that when bad things happen to you, or things that really are out of your control, that there is some deeper purpose that those are happening. So whether you need to learn something, you need to strengthen yourself, you need to um, overcome something, they're happening for you. And it is kind of a co-creating the world and life because you are working simultaneously with God. So when you are given a challenge, do you crumple? Do you give up? Right? Do you go to victim mode? Or do you say, what are my lessons I'm supposed to learn here? Or obviously I need to strengthen. And this happens a lot because what happens is we get patterns. So you'll, you know, like you think you're overcoming financial problems and then you keep overcoming, you keep this kind of cycle keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And part of it is that it's a lesson you need to learn, right? And so it's happening for you so that you can learn and grow in this lesson. And it's not to say that, like, it's not taking the blame or the wrongness of what someone else does to you um, off oh, of them by yes, any means. No, right, and I think no. that some of that's hard when people have been victims of abuse or, you know, just really um, horrible situations or when they were innocents in it. But it's the idea that you can get trapped under that line of responsibility in the victim mode. And now, because you were a victim once, right. everything is about you being a victim. And you cannot have any agency in your life. You can't move forward. You can't do anything. You can't believe in yourself. You can't believe that new thing, good things are possible or new things or successful things are possible because things happen to you. Right. And just to take that in a little bit of a different direction, she's my parents. Also, there's kind of a wider plan, right? Like your life is not just about like the next six months, that your life is about your whole entire life, all 94 years of it or whatever, or that you leave a legacy to your family. So when I think about watching my parents and how they've become successful in their lives is because they demonstrated a role model to me how to work with a professional, like a physician or executive, how to work with somebody who's homeless or on the street, or how to just be respectful to people or kind, and having a lot of empathy for different places that people are in their lives. And for me and my brother, this has become a true asset to our personality. So we get to continue that for them, right? Because they had lived through trauma and some really hard things in their life. And that empathy they had for people who dealt with hard things, they passed on to you. Right. Because they didn't let themselves just live in that kind of victim mentality that right. it happened to them for a reason. And they grew into believing they also could sit at the board table. Right. right? And being that believing that they they were just as had every right to be there as anyone else. And so many people get very stuck in believing that they don't that's not the place for them. And I think that right. that like that latitude or that um, that flexibility or adaptability has really helped both of us. And so in this idea of believing there's a bigger purpose, their struggle has been keeps delivering into our purpose as well. And so I think it's really interesting to think about when I transform my life, who else's lives do I transform? Mm, right. Right. So when you think about if you're a single mom or you're a dad, you know, um, how do you decide and the decisions that you make 
actually raise everyone up, not just yourself. So being a little selfish and thinking that selfish or going to school or eating more healthy so that you're around and you have good energy helps everybody raise up, right. not just not just yourself. So that is our fourth belief, the belief that there is there is purpose and that there's a wider, wider thing going on in your life. So in conclusion, um, I just want to look back at the four things that we talked about of four really key beliefs for your life to really transform yourself into the most successful, the most joy to living your best life, which is what we're all about here. Number one is believing that it's possible, that you don't have to be stuck in the same rut. You don't have to be stuck where your parents were. You don't have to do what everyone's expecting of you, that there could be more. The second is believing in yourself, that you are worth that, that you are worth a life of joy and fulfillment. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Third is getting people in your life that believe in you Mm. and cutting out the ones that don't. You don't have to let everybody in. You are the gatekeeper to the awesomeness castle that is you. (laughs) You're not allowed to come across my (laughs) moat. That's right. Get back over there. Don't forget out the dragon. (laughs) Nice. And the last one that we just talked about is the belief that there is a bigger plan and purpose, that yeah. you have a reason for being here, and it's you're worth it to go out and find it. And that plan and purpose can affect not just you, but so many others around you. Here's the really key piece, that you get to choose what you believe. Right. And when you spend time thinking about, am I making decisions from beliefs that are supporting my growth and the places I want to go, or bringing me down and the people that that I surround myself with, you get to make a choice. And it is the point of power for you. So if you like what you hear, we're so glad that you came, that you came to listen to us. This is Christy Shell and Katie Sandy Smith for Hope in the Heartland. And we just want to continue to help you think about putting more hope in your heart. <laughs>